and we are recording hi <laughs> welcome to the first anature webinar and tonight we have the most amazing brianna from whole life nlp hi brianna hi angie and we've been talking about this for a while haven't we Yes, we have. <laughs> we've been really excited and we've been brainstorming a 10-part webinar series. And it's nighttime over here for me in Tokyo. And I think it's like, what, 6 a.m. for you over there in L.A.? 6 a.m., yep, yep. I'm getting my yogi hours on, getting up nice and early. So. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Well, what a beautiful time to talk about the feminine-masculine dynamic. Mm-hmm. Where do we even begin with that? This is just one of my favorite topics to talk about. I want to be really clear that I'm not, you know, a leading expert in this field and I'm not necessarily utilizing this theme as the main part of my business even, but I have found that this topic has helped me understand myself and the world and relating with both men and women in such a different way. It's helped me frame and understand energies, um, certain types of energies, and then also looking at gender, this external expression of men and women. So we'll go into all of that as well. But just, just to give some background there of um, that this is something that we can help frame our perspective of how we see each other in the world. Yeah, right. Because this is something that, I mean, when people talk about this feminine masculine, I mean, a lot of people I've been discussing with this week go, oh, you mean the yin yang? Okay, so there is definitely an element of people understanding the polarity and what I think people aren't realizing is that we've got both inside ourselves and getting back to the essence of where this all comes from has seemed to have been lost a little as we go through generations. So do you want to start with, you know, you know what is a feminine or masculine dynamic or essence? Yeah. Beautiful. So I like that you brought up the yin yang too, because that is a, a representation of masculine feminine dynamics. It is a symbol. It is something that is representing energy, just like the words masculine and feminine are words that are representing certain types of energy, two types of energy that are actually necessary for any kind of creation, whether it's creating a child or creating a plant or creating a project. Um, creating an idea. And basically the masculine dynamic or what we consider yang energy is comprised of a few different attributes. And one is intended focus. And so the main attribute, at least the mental attribute is this intended focus. Uh, the emotional attribute is structured and the spiritual attribute is contribution. Con concentration. And so it's this very, if you think almost like a laser, right? Very traditional uh, Buddhist type of meditation, nothingness. The masculine in its purest essence is happiest when it's in its nothingness. That its ultimate spiritual goal, if you can say that, for the masculine is nothingness, right? Um, and then in the physical body, it shows up as structure, having a structured workout, having like, if you think of like weightlifting, like a certain number of reps and like you're doing this thing and you're creating a structure, right? Um, and just to, just to clarify very, very clearly, this does not mean men and women. I want to just go back to that as we dive into masculine and feminine dynamics. Like you said, Angie, we all have masculine and feminine energies within us. And some women express more masculine 
energies and some men express more feminine energies. There's nothing wrong or good about either of those things. These are just some parameters that we're going to work with. And then we'll talk about the shadow aspects of both the masculine and the feminine, which um, has more to do with patriarchy and manipulation. So we'll go into that, but that's the masculine essence kind of in the, in the, uh, essence in the emotional body, the spiritual body, and the physical body. For the feminine, in her essence, her essence is receptive. So while we're looking at intended focus on one side, we're looking at receptivity on the other. In her emotional body, um, the feminine is open. There is this sense of wanting to have experience that just for the sake of experience, there doesn't need to be any why, there doesn't need to be a structure. Um, it's just about tasting the food for the quality of food and not so much for the knowing of calories and what's coming in and out, just to give an example. In the spiritual sense, again, experience. So the feminine essence is actually about embodying spirit. It isn't about nothingness. It isn't about going to a place where the mind is clear. It's about going into the chaos and totally embracing all of that and being completely in the emotional experience. For the feminine essence, there isn't anything that isn't spiritual. So it's a different type of spiritual path. And on our planet, we've seen the... Um, the elimination or the walk away from a lot of feminine spirituality. Um, a lot of feminine spirituality is also deeply rooted in, in the physical practice of like Tantra or dance or music or like ecstatic, right? Like if you think of the, the spinning Sufis, right? The whirling dervishes, that is a feminine based practice where you're taking something very chaotic and from that place finding a place of stillness rather than going to stillness in order to find nothingness if that makes sense in the physical essence the feminine again is about experience and sensation like be in the body feel this experience the favorite workout routine of the feminine would be something different every day like experiencing yoga and then dance and then biking and then rollerblading and then hiking it's it's the last thing that the feminine wants in the purest essence again we have both of them in the purest essence the feminine does not want a structured routine. There is a desire to explore and go all around and have this multiplicity of experience in order to just experience. Like even saying in order to, that's not a feminine essence thing, that's more of a masculine essence. Like there is no in order to. It is purely like the journey is the destination. Whereas for the masculine, it's the destination is the destination and the journey along the way is what helps me get there. Yeah, I can relate to that so much. And I, know, I like how you say that this is not necessarily about being a man and woman, but, you know, definitely as, as females, we, we hold a lot of that feminine energy and some of us have more masculine than feminine. But I love how you're just describing how women, feminine energy, when we're holding that feminine energy, we're just diving from one experience to the other and we're really about feelings and you know emotions and we are emotional and and we wear it all you know on our shirt and we let it out and and I was listening to a podcast by Julie Piat recently and she was saying how people ask her you know what are you because you're you kind of like a musician and you're a healer and you're a yoga teacher and you're a mother and she's like yes I'm all of those things and I've been an entrepreneur and I've built a house and I'm an architect and I'm a writer and I'm I'm all of these things because I'm just following this creative energy path and I'm not going to structure myself or just label myself one thing. I'm going to be all of them. And that's okay. And, and in a way, females 
or the feminine energy has been suppressed over years to have one kind of role. Like you either are a stay at home mom or you're a housewife or you're going to be a career woman with this said career. But there's never, well, it's not that there's never, but in more recent times, we've been sort of suppressed to pick one, pick one. And if you're trying to do two, then you're multitasking and you're not doing one as good as you should be. And do you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I think this is a a huge point and it's something that I explore in my personal life Mm. as a woman who has a lot of feminine essence, just isn't something I've explored. I'm like, okay, I think I'm around like on any given day between 60 and 70 feminine essence and like 40, 30 masculine essence. And in my feminine essence, I also find myself to be multi-passionate. Like I love my NLP and coaching work and I'm also a dancer and I also love teaching and I love to be outdoors and lead trips around the world and I love being an aunt and a sister and I want to be a mother someday and like how do I you know in the world that we live in we live in a hyper masculinized state and not only um, women but also men and there is this concept cultural construction that says that you need to have a career that's single focused. And that is extraordinarily limiting, not only for women in their feminine essence or women in their masculine essence, but masculine men. Like what it is about creativity and life and 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 what brings that muse, if you will, of creativity is the ability to grow and live and move and warp. And, you know, in the feminine essence, the, the biology, we're very connected to our heart. And I was reading a study a couple months ago. The number one cause of death for people making over a million dollars is heart attack. And I just started to feel into that energetically of, wow, they're so disconnected from their heart, right? They're so disconnected from this essence of love and creativity and, and um, open-heartedness that there, that there is an attack that their heart attacks them. And I was just feeling into that energetically. But I think what is really important as we are, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about the rising feminine and what that means and in conjunction with women's rights. And I don't want to separate them completely, but I want to just kind of put them both out there. There is the um, suppression of the feminine that has been going on historically. And I would say a big push for the, Suppression of the feminine was during the Constantine Empire, during the rise of the Christian church. And what was happening at the time was the pagan religions were being eliminated. So the goddess was literally being killed, that the statues of the goddess and the, um, the essence of the goddess was illegal. It was illegal to pray to Athena at one point in Greece. And people were being burned at the stake and horrible, horrible atrocities that I won't get into, men and women, for acknowledging that there was a feminine essence in a a deified form. And one thing I really liked was a, a quote from Joseph Campbell was, we're not created in God's image, we create God in our image. And if we look at the what we have in terms of God now, especially in the Western cultures, it's mostly masculine. And so we're running as though the one who's running the bigger show, whether we subscribe to religion or not, we live in cultures that are very, very religious based, whether we call them secular or not. When you have a top down hierarchy that only honors a masculine essence, what you see is what's happening now, which is the shadow masculine. And it's happening to men and women. 
and it's overworked people um, feeling underappreciated, uh, lack of creativity, lack of connection to their bodies, lack of connection to relationships and family, lack of connection to what actually inspires them. And I even see it in the entrepreneurial world, like people who are actually pursuing their dreams and loving what they're doing, they get burnt out because we're living within a paradigm that you have to produce at a certain level, that you have to be making a certain amount of money, and that you have to commit to this one idea and do this one thing and really, and it's like, the singularity focus is so useful, but what's happening is that it's overused and people are feeling overworked and underappreciated. And what we're seeing basically is masculine burnout. And, and some people call it patriarchy, but basically what it is, is the masculine essence on steroids and in its shadow, in its reactionary phase. Um, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but I, I, I love, I just, I, what I want everyone to know is that, so we are just gonna, we have like a basic structure for this, but the whole idea is that we're going to go off the structure and just go where the, the energy takes us. But I love that because I really wanted you to get into where did this imbalance go? I was in the car driving with a Japanese professional snowboarder and a good friend of mine from the UK today. And the three of us have been working on this project about um, saving snow and how climate change is affecting it. And we got on this big topic of going into feminine masculine dynamics and how that has played a role in climate change and where we are now. And to go into it, my Japanese friend asked, so when did we go from having these amazing warrior women and these amazing Egyptian women who were celebrated and worshipped to where we are now? And I love that you went in and touched on that because it's so important. And then that suppression has just gone on and on and on to where we are now. And you are right. It is this patriarchal burnout, I guess, if you want to call it that. And we don't need to label it anything. but where this has created an imbalance and if we look at um for example i've been doing this amazing pelvic bowl women feminine essence cleansing 21 day course it's like a meditation that you get every day and you work directly with the pelvic bowl and that's like a direct connection with gaia with mother earth and it's incredible how much feminine essence and power we actually store within us and i would love you to go on a tangent with that because we we have mother nature our mother and she is there and and in the middle of her is is you know the sacred womb so even though on the external we have this imbalance and a mass of masculine energy that is leading to a lot of different um challenges in the world right now we if we're throwing our arms up going, well, how do we get back to the feminine world? The truth is she's inside us. So how can we get there? I love this question. Um, yeah, just to go back a little bit, like where, where this all began. So looking at it in terms of Western culture, I want to be really specific because if we want to look at it in terms of Mongolian culture, there was a certain split with, with the feminine there with Genghis Khan mm. uh, in China, in India, with the history of the Aryans coming in. And I could really get into it, but I'm going to focus just on Western culture here. Mm -hmm. You're from Australia. I'm from the United States. We both represent as white women. So I just want to acknowledge that this storyline that I'm diving into for sake of time is limited to Western culture. But however, there is, there's a multiplicity of where the, 
the break from the sacred feminine has happened all around the world. And so there are two pieces that I want to talk on before I dive into like reconnecting with the feminine. And one is the library at Alexandria. So the library at Alexandria was this incredible, the largest library in the world, uh, papyrus scrolls in Alexandria, Egypt, and was around thousands of years uh, before Christ in terms of our linear time. Um, and and what happened was during the conquest of the Roman Empire, and I do believe it was Mark Anthony, I don't know if that's just hearsay, but Mark Anthony and Cleopatra had this amazing romance, and then there was a break, and basically he invaded Egypt and burned the library down. And just the, rep the symbolism in that is really profound. You know, Egypt was one of the highest advanced societies that deeply honored the feminine. Their main deity around knowledge and medicine was Isis. She was the goddess not only of creation and procreation, but she was also the goddess of all medicine and, and knowledge and, and this exchange of of culture and universities you know we're talking of, of a culture that was very very advanced doing brain surgery and intricate dental work thousands of years before you know ad began and um and what we saw there was basically uh, a western or this rise of force as a weapon and destruction as a weapon and that this brute amount of of taking a large amount of soldiers to infiltrate another country in order to get back at them in order for revenge, right? So we're talking about a vengeance, this like backlash of what happened with the Cleopatra story, which is that she essentially seduced Mark Anthony in order to get what she wanted. Now, I say this only to, to take claim that in this feminine-masculine dynamic, a lot of times the feminine is seen as um, the weaker energy or the one that has been victimized. And while that there has been a lot of victimization of the feminine and of women, uh, two separate things, but not inherently separate, there has also been pieces in our spiritual curriculum as women, in our spiritual curriculum as feminine women, that we are needing to step into now. And and I want to dive more into that in a little bit. The second example that I want to give historically of a split from the feminine was during the colonization periods from the mid-1400s until, well, essentially until present day, the colonization of the indigenous peoples of the Western Hemisphere. And we're talking about cultures that, while they were not perfect, and I do not want to over-romanticize indigenous cultures, there was a deep connection and inherent sense of balance with Mother Earth. And within the majority of their structures, there was an acknowledgement of both the masculine and the feminine essences within their deities, within their um, within their hierarchical structures, the medicine men and women, tribal council that included men and women, and um, everything from the Incan culture to many of the First Nation cultures all the way up into the Yukon, Canada, you see a similar thread of the honoring of both the masculine and feminine essences. When colonization came, they brought Christianity and inherently within Christianity as designed by Constantine in order to control his army, right? Mm -hmm. and they eliminated the feminine. They eliminated the story of Mary Magdalene. They reduced Esther to a beauty pageant prostitute. They took the Virgin Mary and made her someone who was only receptive to God's will and not with uh, a will and heart of her own. And um, there is 
in that, when Constantine was developing that, his desire was to build an army of conquest. And what he saw was that there was a group of people who were willing to die. And he went over and said, like, what are you, why are you guys willing to die? And they said, well, we're Christian and we know that we're going to go to heaven afterwards. And he said, ding, like, and he basically developed Christianity as a format, as a formula to feed to his soldiers so that they would be more willing to die. That was the basis of why Christianity was developed. And while I have um, nothing to uh, offer here in terms of uh, a critique of the religion in and of itself, just to be really clear as to how the King James version of the Bible really came about, it was from a base of utilizing something, a beautiful set of stories and sharings from a, a a man, supposedly a man who had walked around on the planet and turned it into a religious structure that was about control. And so when that control was exported to the Americas, to a group of people that believed in, you don't kill unless you're going to eat or you need to protect your land. And they had people who were coming and attacking them. There, there wasn't a paradigm for that. There wasn't a paradigm for vengeance. There wasn't a paradigm for um, this outright control and, and, expansionist philosophy in the same way that that the colonizers came there was there was war and there was territorial disputes amongst different native tribes but not in the same way where it was like we're going to take over everything in the name of god in the name of god the father we take over everything god the father has ordained us as men to utilize our weapons and kill others in order to take from them and take land from them and take the mother earth from them, right? Like take the mother from others. And since then we've seen an incredible institutionalized disconnect from our earth, like literally a cementing over of, of our, of our earth. You know, one of the things in, in, in the Lewis and Clark diaries, when they were interviewing different indigenous peoples as they were integrating into Western cultures, one of the things they said was like, we don't understand cobblestone streets. Like, why are you paving over the earth? Like, what is, what is that even about? And that is that metaphor in and of itself, like the amount of earth that has asphalt on it and cement on it and the disconnect that we have, whether it's actual disconnect or, or not, I think energetically we're always connected to her. No matter, there's nothing we can put on the earth that would disconnect us from her truly. But just even that physical disconnect and that desire to make flat or make it any certain way. I love that you're, I'm going to switch a little bit now. I love that you're doing the 21 day course on the pelvic bowl. I think one of the most important thing for us as women and anyone wanting to get in touch with their feminine essence is to get back in the body. Like this, there's no, like you want to get in nature, like breathe. Like we are nature. Like I love it. I love it. <laughs> I have people say all the time, like, ah, oh, I need to get back into nature and I need to be in the trees. And I totally get it. I feel much more comfortable amongst the trees rather than skyscrapers. And like, <laughs> breathe into the deepest part of your belly deep into the, the to the lower back into the perineum this yoga philosophy of like breathing into that space that lives between the genitals and your anus excuse my language but literally the deepest part of the section that connects us to the earth other than our legs like our core into the ground like and that's how that we birth that's how yes. i studied the hypnobirthing technique when i birthed both my children so both birth with no drugs completely natural and that whole hypnobirthing technique is all about it's it's a meditative state but it's all about breath there's no pushing of the baby out 
there's a breath that goes right into that area you were just describing. And when you breathe with the contractions, you're not going against the grain, you're not going against the flow. And when we learn to get into our pelvic bowl to do this pelvic bowl work, which we can do at any time of the day and create so much energy and power. And I think like for women, especially, I'm going a little bit off topic, but you can get get us back on track in a sec. But for women who have had children as well, um, we've had this experience of the body showing us what we are truly capable of. No matter what birth experience you've had, it's phenomenal how you can go from, you know, nothing to to this giant belly and, and all those emotions and, and energy sharing that you have when you're pregnant to literally delivering a child out of yourself. And we forget how magical we are as women. And we forget that that, that power that we had to, to do that whole process is in that same place the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you talked about hypnobirthing. Um, a year and I guess it's a year and seven or eight months ago, my sister, my second sister, I'm the oldest of four girls. So I come from a coven, a coven, a coven of women. And my second sister, April, who I grew up in the same room with, we were, you know, best friends and best enemies, um, became pregnant and asked me to be her doula. Wow. And I was like, I don't know. So I did a quick doula training and um, assisted my nephew's birth. And she did a completely natural birth with a midwife in a hospital. And the only people in the room were the midwife, um, the main nurse, her husband, and myself. And, and she didn't do hypnobirthing, but we did a lot of different, uh, different techniques. And one of them was definitely about like, instead of pushing, like letting gravity and the breath be the thing exactly. that, that pulls the baby out and that your only work is actually to relax relax that part open to invite the child out with your relaxation and your focus. Because what happens a lot of times, not only in pregnancy, but I think in any moments of pain for both men and women, there's this tendency to tighten against Mm -hmm. it, right? Like to come out of the body. But what's amazing about pain as a teacher and about the feminine spiritual practice, it's about going into the experience, not about trying to meditate my way out of it or breathe my way out of it or mantra my way out of it or anything to escape the experience. It's about going deeper, actually to go under the pain and get under the pain and say like, I'm going to support this with my breath and I'm going to relax all my muscles with what is happening in order to welcome this in. Because most of the pain that we experience is actually the muscles tightening around that spot. Because when we have an injury as an animal, we tighten the muscles in order to not create more injury. But that comes from a very low part of our brain, our critter brain. So what we can do with our amazing, our frontal lobes, which are all about creativity and utilizing uh, the thriving techniques rather than just the surviving techniques is to breathe and to relax into that space. And pain actually invites us. Pain is, is an amazing spiritual teacher. And in the feminine essence of spirituality, there is no escaping the pain. There is only diving deeper into it. And so just like you did with hypnobirthing, it's really about opening a space to invite the experience in and even unidentifying with it as pain. This is sensation, right? These are all sensations in our body. These are nervous system 
you know, little tendrils that are firing off. And, and in one moment, they could be firing sensation for pleasure. In another, it could be pain. But ultimately, it's just the calibration and the qualification of our mind of what we've been told is pain or pleasure which is a whole tantric concept. And, you know, even into the BDSM world, this line between pain and pleasure is very, very thin because what they're actually doing is playing with our neural constructions around what that even is. Because even pain is a cultural construction. And we live within a masculine, a hyper-masculinized shadow paradigm that says any sensation that is not associated with serotonin is somehow pain, which is just not true. It's just not true. Or negative, yeah. Negative, yeah. Yeah, so what we get to do in, in the feminine spiritual practice, it's about bringing all sensation in as equal. All sensation is equal because it's experience and the feminine just wants to experience whether it's pain or pleasure, whether it's anger or joy. There is no um, discrimination on any sort of the experience, I'm alive, therefore I am, right? The masculine is I think, therefore I am. The feminine is I feel, therefore I am. And that aliveness, that feelingness, there's no discrimination, like just let me feel whatever it is, right? I think that's the number one thing that I hear between men and women when we're talking about a, a feminine woman and a masculine man. And I've actually heard it with a feminine man too. Um, or a more feminine woman partnered with a more masculine woman, that the more feminine essence wants to just be able to express herself. I don't need to fix this. I actually don't need you to give me an answer to my pain. I just need you to listen to me. I, I just relate to that. <laughs> yeah. I just need a safe space where I can just go, right? I just need to give you the inventory of my day, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I just need you to listen. And at the end, say thank you, how can I support you? And let's go into that because I yeah. think this is, we're merging into a relationship dynamic here and I think this is really important because we see so many people struggle in relationships and we're really all trying to figure it all out as we go along. But women do have this tendency and I'm one of them 100% to want to share everything. We are all about connection like we just want to connect and we want to we want to tell you everything and now we have social media and we we have facetime and we have text messages so we can tell you stuff when you're not even around and we can just bomb you all the time whether it's something really exciting that's happened or we're really upset and we're just going to keep throwing it at you and men are just going whoa hello i need to be free i need to get away from this you're bombing me mm -hmm. where do we go with that because that is also you know women do seem to go from their emotional side of their brains a lot where men potentially are tapping into their rational side or their reptilian side so this is part of potentially that imbalance, um, but also a little bit of unconsciousness perhaps, because we do need to respect that when we are in relationships, we, we, need, to, we need to understand these different energies and men don't have all the same uh, dynamics as us. And for men to understand us and how can we you know, drop a lot of this conflict and really merge together and bring that yin and yang together more beautifully and in more harmony in our current day and age when we do have a million ways of communicating with each other. Yeah. 
Yeah. So there's um, two bodies of work that are super helpful that I'm going to reference when I make this answer. So I want to give shout outs to first Alison Armstrong and her body of work called PAX and David Data and his main book, The Way of the Superior Man. And these two resources have radically given me a shift in consciousness around this and also given me complete permission to be the feminine woman that I am, which felt really fucking good. Because <laughs> from a young age, I felt... Um, I felt myself in order to be successful, right? Whether it was in academia or in business, I had to be the, for lack of better term, like you guys will realize I have a sailor's mouth, but I had to have the biggest balls in the room. Like in order to be successful or seen as successful that I had to step up into my masculine, like be even ballsier. Like my voice changes when I drop into my masculine too. And what I've learned in terms of relationship dynamics when when we're in relationship it's because there's polarity we're attracted right like there's there's a a positive pole and a negative pole and there's there's an attraction and so what that is is masculine and feminine and there's going to be a an attraction there to the opposite pole right so as a feminine woman i am more attracted to masculine essence or masculine leading essence Uh, people, whether they're women or or men, I find myself attracted to people who identify gender wise as men or women. But in their essence, they are sitting, you know, seventy to sixty to seventy percent of the time in their masculine, um, and then the forty thirty in their feminine. And so there's this complementary dance that's happening. For the feminine essenced one, according to Alison Armstrong's work, we have come from the women who were responsible for the berry picking. So what does that mean? It means in our caveman times, the women would go out and be picking berries. And they know that those berries are poisonous and these berries are ready now. And those berries over there will be ready in six weeks. And I can see those ones over there and ready in four weeks. And there's a saber-toothed tiger behind me. I got to watch that one because I've got a three-year-old over here and four other kids over here. And I'm not going to tell Susie about those berries because she always steals those berries. And then I got to go back home and cook dinner and then he'll be home tonight and he'll be upset and angry. And so he'll want to wash up. Like we are multiple multifaceted thinkers. We are not single focused thinkers. Whereas men in the caveman times, basically our critter brain, what we evolved from in our basic biology, right, is hunt, look, kill, don't die, bring home, sex, eat. That's it. Right? Single pointed focus, one activity at a time. So a great way to completely confuse Uh, a masculine man or a masculine person is when they are working on their thing, like if it's working on a car or fixing the roof or they're focused, go and try to talk to them. (laughs) It will drive them nuts. Whereas with a woman, she's doing her thing. Like she wants to talk. She wants to be texting. She wants to be able to drink her tea. She wants to be able to watch her kid. Like we as feminine essence women or feminine essence beings, we thrive with diffused awareness is what Allison calls it. Whereas men would, and masculine men would die with diffused awareness. They would fall off the ladder. The saber-toothed tiger would eat them. They would (laughs) fall into the fire. You know what I mean? Just in that basic biology of where the masculine came from and, and honoring that. Like as the smaller sized sex, the majority of our biological and, and, and physiological background comes from our ability to move with children. We were the child raisers to, to be in the berry patches, to climb a tree and get fruit, right? Whereas for the men, their physique and their, their, 
their size gave them the ability to hunt. And I do not want to overgeneralize. And I want to state again that I understand that especially in today's day and age, there's a huge range and spectrum. I'm just using these terms to give us some background. And I understand that there is such a range now. Um, but they ultimately, as the hunters and protectors of the family, have a physique to represent that. What happens in relationship when we're trying to communicate with each other, right? The man is on the lookout for the tiger. It's like, where's the tiger? What do I need to kill? What do I need to fix? Where's the leak in the roof, right? Whereas the woman's like telling the weather report. The berries were like this today. And Susie was like this today. And the kids were like this today. And when I came home, it was like this today. And he's like, where's the problem? <laughs> what can I fix? How do I fix this? How do I fix you? And she's like, blah, 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 blah. there's nothing to fix on her side. She's just having experience. She just wants experience for experience. He is single-pointed focus looking for where's the problem? How do I fix it? So these two people get together and it's like he's trying to fix her and then she's trying to explain to him that that's not what she wants. She just needs to express herself and he does not understand expression. In the line of David Data work, that's called the first level feminine and masculine caveman. First level. The second level is kind of a reaction to both of those, right? The second level is the very um, combat boots feminine and the very hyper-feminized masculine. So you see combat boots feminine, these are the women who reject the masculine who, um, or who've over-masculinized themselves in order to eliminate men. So there's both of those. There's those, the feminine essence that's like, we don't need the masculine or I'm just going to be free or it's absolutely no structure, aka my early 20s, where I was just traveling around and I didn't you know, worry about money. And well, I worried a lot about money inside, but I pretended like I didn't worry about money to fit in with all my hippie friends. And you know, just kind of doing my thing and like very much in the flow and like feeling that. And I love that part of my life because I felt like I needed to swing that way to really feel it. And then the other part of the second feminine is this hyper-masculinized, which is also something I walked into, which is like, I have the biggest balls in the room, right? Like if you look at someone like Hillary Clinton, she is a hyper-masculinized woman. She has to have the biggest balls in the room to get where she has gotten politically. The political game is hyper-shadow masculine. And in order to play in that paradigm, one has had to, at least theoretically, have the biggest balls in the room in order to even be considered serious. Because the biggest accusation of the masculine to the feminine is that you're too emotional and you're going to make emotional decisions, right? So there's been this reaction of like, look how unemotional I can be. I can be less emotional than you. So that's the second phase for the, for the feminine. The second phase for the masculine, which is this reaction to the caveman, is this hyper-feminine. It's the one with the scarf, like, dancing in the forest with the fairies. It's the yogi man who, like, stares too long into your eyes. None of us like that, guys. None of us like the super eye-gazing. Please stop doing that. It's really creepy. Like, when you do, like, soul-gazing and your first name is Ja, and I know that's not true. Like, we don't, we don't want that. Please <laughs> stop doing that. Love you guys, but it's a reaction to this hyper-masculinized world, and I feel like sometimes men need to go through that and get in touch with their emotions and do their drum circles and grow out their hair and act like being around naked women doesn't arouse them sexually, right? Like we see this hyper-feminized man who isn't able to make decisions, who is not stepping into his purpose as a caretaker or as a purpose-driven man in whatever expression that may mean. Um, is exploring his body, is exploring what it means to be embodied, and exploring his feminine. And I want to honor that without degrading it too much. And especially in West LA where I live, there is a chronic stuckness 
for men who are going through this process and, and don't release that piece of like, okay, explore your feminine. And then what is the third iteration? So this third level, right? So the third level for the feminine is really understanding the space where the feminine is the power. Like vulnerability is the new black, like dropping into the emotional essence and taking claim of what I feel is right? Instead of saying, oh, he's just not present enough. He's not this enough. He's not that enough. I do not feel connected to you. I do not feel happy when you say this. I feel so elated when you, I feel super connected when you, because masculine essence does not have the same connection to their emotional body, the emotional part of their brain, and so therefore not connected to their body. So a lot of times they'll pair with a feminine essence as a way to help them access their feeling center. And the best thing a feminine essence can do for a masculine essence is tell them how you really feel, right? We'll talk about the, the, the purging or the weather report in just a moment because that's different than actually saying how we really feel as feminine essence. For the third stage or the third level masculine, I think he calls it stages. I can't remember if it's level. I think it's stage, stage one, stage two, stage three masculine, according to David Data, is the synthesis of these two, right? Like aspects of the caveman, protector, hunter, aspects of being able to be in touch with your body. And then thin principle consciousness comes in and being able to choose when those are appropriate and when those are authentic right? Not hyper-performing in the masculine, not hyper-performing in the feminine, but having access and range to those tools and really diving into purpose, right? In the third stage masculine, their main focus is purpose. In the third stage feminine, their main purpose is expressing love. And don't get me wrong, feminine essence definitely has a purpose and masculine essence definitely expresses love, but their main focus the main reason as to why. And once I dropped, for me as a woman in my feminine essence, once I dropped the idea of like having a purpose-driven life and like, you know, working hard every day towards my dream, I'm like, I have to do what I love. I have to be driven by love. Like, I love my clients. I love this conversation. I love getting up at 6 a.m. in the morning and getting on Zoom and having this conversation with you. If I'm not driven by love, I go nuts. I drop into depression. I'll push, 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 and then have boo. And that was my teens. And push, this push, is push, where push. women lost that love for themselves as well. Yes. You know, yes. this, is, this is a huge thing. And I love that that's where you've gone with this because one thing that I just see time and time again and through my own experience and still going through this experience is lack of self-love. Mm. And we see it from both sides of the table. Mm-hmm. When, when men are not in their purpose, they're, they're lacking that self-love. And when women are not vibrating on love, they're lacking self-love. We can't give. We can't serve from an empty vessel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that self-love is so, I mean, what an elusive thing, right? Because when we say love, it goes into the labyrinth of our mind. It has mm-hmm. all these different meanings for each individual. And what I have found that, that, for me, what self-love means is welcoming every, for me, feminine essence, welcoming every emotion to the dinner table of my heart, right? Like there is no part left behind. The part of me that believes that I'm a fraud, welcome in, you get an appetizer. The part of me that thinks that what I just said was brilliant, welcome in, you get an appetizer. (laughs) Like there's, there's no discrimination, Self-love is about there's no discrimination of my internal experience. All is welcome. 
No one is allowed in the driver's seat except principal consciousness, right? No one is driving this machine except principal consciousness. However, all emotion, all thoughts, all experience are welcome into the dinner table of my heart. And that, in, in, in the sense of self-love, that has given me a practice of like, oh, this thing comes up. Oh, I haven't done this. Oh, the self-doubt again. Oh, oh welcome. Completely welcome. Like, like truly the divine mother of my internal experience, right? Like I love the image of the Virgin of Guadalupe, just this beautiful, radiant mother with her eyes closed and her hands completely open. And that's how I just imagine in my internal experience, anytime these things come forward, how I can love myself. And for men, the same thing. It's being able to accept that all aspects of their experience, for masculine-based people, all aspects of their experience are welcomed and are here as part of their spiritual curriculum, right? I find spiritual curriculum for men resonates a little bit more in terms of their, or masculine, in terms of their focus. Like your spiritual curriculum is anything that is here. Mm. so if it's showing up internally or externally get to work right and integrating that as part of their purpose oh my purpose right now is to focus on my self-doubt and send it some loving care and understand that this self-doubt that's coming up is going to help me with my purpose maybe i'll be speaking to someone who expresses self-doubt maybe i will utilize you know softening around self-doubt in my next meeting whatever it may be but that, that a man's purpose, his expression of self-love is actually integrating everything that comes up as his, as his purpose. And for feminine essence individuals, integrating all experiences internal and external as ways that they can welcome it into the dinner table of their heart. Um, yeah, so that's, that's how I've just given some, some practice around self-love because there's so much talk about it and there's the self-love self-love we don't even know what love really is how do we know what self-love is so just giving some some practices and ideas of of how i've worked with that process yeah and let's dive into that what we what i really want to take people to take home from this is an understanding and an acceptance and a contemplation, but also some practicality, some practical tools. So I mentioned this pelvic bowl workshop that I've been doing, which has for me been phenomenal, but let's get to cultivation and something that I know you're very passionate about, which is sacred ritual and bringing that into, okay, self-love, these high vibrations, principal consciousness, how do we a even get there and b maintain that and we have to also i think it's important to say is understand that this is not a 21 day course this is not a one hour webinar and you're going to go yep cool got it and off i go into the world this is a lifetime and you can be overwhelmed with how much information and different tools are available or you can embrace that there is so much information and so many tools available so let's go with that you know this cultivation of daily sacred rituals to come into our highest vibrationary self of the masculine and feminine the feminine the yin yang staying in our principal consciousness and ultimately being in self-love giving love vibrating in love because let's face it all there is is love mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i love this question um the masculine part of me loves practicality and the feminine part of me loves experience so it's like it's a combination of both <laughs> yay um i think one of one of the greatest 
resources just in terms of books, I'll just say it again, is, is David Data's The Way of the Superior Man. And um, David Data is an incredible teacher and he teaches on masculine feminine dynamics and his work is proliferant and he's online and he has amazing free talks. And just if, if this is a new field for you, the idea of masculine feminine, and you're not sure, like, am I more feminine? Am I more masculine? He is a great resource to go to just kind of get a sense. And again, Alison Armstrong and the PAX program, Understanding Women Celebrating Men, is an incredible workshop. She does live workshops. She has videos on YouTube, lots and lots of free resources. Just to give some languaging around, okay, what does this even mean? And how do I even identify, right? Because before we go to practices of like what you want to cultivate more of, identifying, okay, my essence is more feminine. My essence is more masculine. I have a feeling most people will know just intuitively. However, if there's any question, like for me, I always identified with the more masculine essence until I started getting into this work because it felt safer. And for my career, it felt like the thing. And then when I understood the power of the feminine essence, I was like, oh my gosh, like, let's explore that. So identifying first, like what your essence is with some resources. The second thing is something we've already touched on, which is the breath for both masculine and feminine essence, bringing your consciousness into the body will help give feedback, right? Being in touch with the body, literally breathing into the perineum, deepest part of the belly, deepest part of the low back, and then right into that space where your body meets your chair, that space between the genitals and the anus, this soft spot. It's called the, 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 the lowest lotus, right? Like we've got the lotus on the top of the crown for those yogis out there and the lotus at the base of our spine, this first chakra place that is really about rooting. This is the essence of rooting in. Mm. And for both masculine and feminine essence people, being able to breathe into this space helps eliminate shame right? Because when we're talking about masculine and feminine essence, and we didn't get into this exactly, it starts to touch into sexuality and this polarity and sexual attraction. And there is so much shame in our Western culture around sex and sexuality that a big piece around uncovering feminine and masculine essence is starting to melt away that shame with the breath first, by yourself first. You know, one thing that's really interesting, you know, here in West LA, and I see it a lot, is this uprise of Tantra and people doing Tantra. And when I sit with that, with absolutely no blame, shame, or judgment, Tantra was a, a practice that was reserved for people who'd been studying solitary yoga for decades, right? But the idea of coming together as two people to interact in feminine, masculine essence in that sacred space required a lot of individual work. So what I would encourage, while you don't need to take decades, is take a couple beats and do some practices by yourself of breathing deeply um, into your perineum and just feeling what it feels like to be in the body. And for masculine men um, or for masculine essence people, just noticing what you're already naturally attracted to. Vipassana is a very beautiful masculine essence practice where you're taking single point of focus mm -hmm. and scanning the body very slowly, right? Not attaching to sensation, not staying with sensation, just noticing what's there. Very beautiful. For women or for feminine essence individuals, see, I make that mistake all the time because it's not necessarily men and women, but for feminine essence individuals, noticing what you're naturally attracted to. Are you naturally attracted to a static dance? Are you naturally attracted to like your church is outside? Like naturally, just notice what you're naturally attracted to as a practice. I think that practice in and of itself of like 
starting to calibrate, like, what am I naturally inclined to? Like, would you rather go to um, a static dance or a two-hour meditation? Like, just noticing where your body is more naturally inclined to go. Because for me, I love a two-hour meditation. Don't get me wrong. But when I get the choice between the two, I'm going to a static dance every time. Like, give me a place where I can move this energy and, like, move my hips. Absolutely. Not saying one is better than the other, but for me, I connect more with what I identify as God or my higher self or my truest essence when I'm in movement in my body than when I'm trying to still my body and come into single-pointed awareness. It just requires more work, right? Whichever one requires less work, that's the one that you are in your essence. Our essence does not feel like work. Our essence feels like what is true. Our essence feels like what is right. And so starting to play, I think one of the greatest practices is starting to play with different essence pieces. Um, another practice that you can really understand is a lot of feminine-based people with their cooking and with food are going to be diffused awareness, right? Like you're going to be doing multiple things at once, where the masculine essence is going to cook the rice. And then, he's going, then that one is going to chop the vegetables. And then that one is going to cook the th next thing. It's, it's, whereas with feminine essence, if you look at a feminine essence in the kitchen, it looks a little bit like the crazy professor. Like there's a <laughs> lot of things going on at once. And starting to the, the practice of, of learning where your essence is and then playing and being inclined to. And then the third piece is honoring what you're already doing in that essence, right? Not making wrong your diffused awareness and not making wrong when it's single pointed awareness too. I think as feminine essence, I know that I have accused single pointed essence people of being too slow of not um, being able to do multiple things at once. Right. And just like I've been accused of being overly emotional. I've also accused of being too slow or not being able to understand my emotions. And I think that's, that's really the third practice that I would integrate is starting to understand not only your own essence, but the other's essence, whether you're in relationship or you're with your masculine father or you're with a masculine friend, like starting to understand that their point of reference for self spirit and God is different. And we can honor that. And, and that can actually help us as feminine essence to, to be in that more is an honoring, is a reverence for that. Um, yeah, for purpose of, of this time, I think that'll be the, the extent of the practices that I share. There's, I mean, a multiplicity. There's so many. There's, There's so, so many. many. And what just, we'll do is we'll grab like the ones you talked about and we'll pop them in some, like I'll make up some notes and we'll share them cool. with everyone. Um, but I, I love that you brought up um, the, the ones that you did because it's, you know, I, I've, you've done Vipassana too, right? I've done Vipassana. We've both done Vipassana and we're both very similar and we're definitely both the kind who would probably rather go out and run up a mountain than go sit in 10-day Vipassana. But it's also about, with Vipassana, I find a lot of people feel that they can't get those 10 days to go and do it. Mm -hmm. And the time will come to you when you can. And it's, it's a beautiful practice and, and you'll have that forever. It's like riding a bike. But I love how you brought in play because play is something we can do all the time. And I'm guilty of trying to overachieve, trying to carry all the weight of the world on my shoulders, trying to, you know, have 10 things going on in the kitchen and a, a podcast going in my notebook and answering emails and Instagramming all at the same time. 
and forgetting to play and having to try and schedule in play instead of just going, oh, I might go and, you know, just go with the flow a bit now. And so I really love that you brought that in because that play is free, play is anytime, anywhere, and we all need to do it more. So where I want to kind of wrap this up because we've got about five minutes left is when we are in tune with the male and the masculine and female, feminine, sorry, essences, when we are consciously understanding our own and each other's, how do we benefit ourselves, our relationships and community in general? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, I want to touch on one thing that you said about play really quickly, because this is something that I've taken on of like play as a point of view rather than what it is that I'm doing. Like, how can I play even when I'm with my client? How can I play even when I'm Instagramming? How can I play even like bringing play to everything rather than play looks like this? So as a point of reference rather than an external expression, if that makes any sense. So just a fun little tool that I've taken on. and then the, the next piece of it, like how does it benefit ourselves, our relationships, our community, and ultimately the planet? Um, well, what I've seen for myself is I'm no longer afraid of being overly emotional. Like all my emotions are welcome. My, my role as the principal consciousness is to decide how and when I express them. And having a multiplicity of tools from journaling to meditating to dance, I know that it isn't the the one who's in front of me is not the only resource for me to express my emotions. I love that. The power of that in relationship, especially in an intimate relationship with the masculine, they get easily overwhelmed by our by the feminine essence, the power, the emotional power of the feminine essence. And we didn't get into the idea of weather reporting, but really quickly, like we as women or feminine essence love to weather report. This is everything that happened. Whereas masculine essence are going to look for the problems that they can fix. And so they're trying to follow and they're trying to fix. So if there's a way to communicate in relationship of, Hey, I just need to do a weather report right now. Can you just listen at the end, say thank you and ask me how you can support me. I love it. Frame it for them. Let them know that they just need to hold the bucket while you just purge. They don't need to look at it or clean it up. They just need to hold the bucket for you so that you can just, and it can be around joy or it can be around something difficult. But if you can communicate to the masculine essence exactly what you need, the more in tune we as feminine essence are and give them exact directions, then they have something to focus on. Give them something to focus on. All I need you to do is listen. At the end, say thank you and ask me what you can do to support me. They will be so happy. (laughs) They don't have to fix anything. And they get like, and what that does in relationship, in terms of a masculine and feminine dynamic, it changes everything. And for the masculine, what they can do is ask questions that allow the feminine to get more in touch with her feeling. How do you feel? Tell me more. Is there anything else like really drawing out what her, what the essence of the feminine is when she feels, when that one feels safe and invited to be in the feminine essence, the more that one will open in her feminine essence and all the masculine essence wants, they need emotional guidance, right? And they need something to focus on. So women as leaders are actually emotional leaders. It is important for us as leaders 
feminine essence leaders not to drop into our masculine, but to stay in our feminine and speak very clearly, I feel X, I need Y, help me here, support me here. Allow the men to find, or allow the masculine to find the proper place, which is supporting the feminine energy. And when we as feminine essence individuals understand that our emotional body is the power of this planet, it's the rumbling of the lava, it's the shaking of the earth, it's the turning of the tides, that is energy in motion, emotion. Same thing. I love it. It's the same essence, it's the same vibrational frequency as the movement of our planet. When we understand and can enroll the masculine to support us from behind by asking how they can support us, by being there, by giving them directed, single focused awareness instructions. That is how we shift the planet. That is how we shift community. That is how we shift our families is feminine essence individuals coming back into their emotional power, not trying to be masculine essenced, not trying to be better men, but really coming into that space where our neurology is set up to be 16 times more emotionally powerful than our masculine counterparts. However, what we cannot do right now on this planet as a feminine essenced woman, it is one thing for me to say this. It's another thing for a man to say, hey, I want to get behind a woman. Yeah. There's a certain amount of power when someone with privilege says, I'm going to utilize my privilege to get behind the one who's been oppressed. And I believe this to be true, not only for the, the men and women dynamics or the masculine and feminine dynamics. I believe this to be true for indigenous issues, for refugee issues, for Black Lives Matter. When those of us who have privilege decide to use our privilege to get behind those who've been oppressed, that is how we can utilize our privilege for good. That is how we can shift the planet. So my biggest suggestion for masculine in essence specifically for men is to find a woman that you can get behind i love it that is such a beautiful note to finish on mm. i love it that was just i'm so inspired it's like 11 p.m here i was so <laughs> tired from the biggest day ever before we talked and now i feel like oh my god i'm not gonna sleep the next three hours <laughs> Something so to amazing and we could go on and on just on this topic but we are going to diversify we're going to go into some really juicy themes over whether we do one a month or one every two weeks we're not quite sure yet but but we'll work it out and we'll keep everyone up to date and so I'm going to stop the recording in a second. I just want to say thank you so much. You are divine, beautiful, inspiring. I just feel like a little bit of background quickly before we go. Brie and I met through a really good friend of mine, Anthony, who happens to be her cousin. And we had a dinner, I think, at their house in LA when I was there with the film I was making. And Brie just came into the room and I think you'd been to hip hop class or something. And, and you just had this energy that was just so addictive and empowering. And I knew from that moment on that at some stage we were going to reconnect and, and really work together on some stuff. And, and finally, that was like two years ago, I think. And here we are now, doesn't matter where we are in the world, we get to do this amazing work together and share it with so many people. And I'm so excited to keep, keep doing this ongoing. It's going to be brilliant. Yeah.
Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you for your kind words. And I look forward to continuing to collaborate and, and share this work. I think for both feminine and masculine essence people, this work can really help, like I said, give a different perspective of self, like self-love and self-respect and different perspective on the world where it's like, we don't have to be anything other than we are. And when we figure out who we are, how do we work in harmony with, with others? So thank you so much for inviting me and initiating this project. I feel honored and I love you and I love the work that you're doing in the world. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye everyone.